It is a time of legend. The galaxy is in flames. The age of knowledge and enlightenment has ended. The age of darkness has begun. Greetings and welcome to the eighth episode of the Fires of Betrayal podcast, a podcast that is dedicated to discussing the various games set in the Age of Darkness, as well as the lore which surrounds them. In today's podcast, by myself, we're discussing the Pyrex event that was recently held at the Midwest Conquest Tournament in Kansas City. It was a three-day event that I attended, Memorial Day weekend 2023. I had an absolute blast, and as I was up there, I recorded a few audio blogs. I also sat down and put my thoughts in an opening and closing, which we'll get to in a second. I do want to shout out everyone I met at the event. Thank you for attending. There are numerous folks who've dropped in little audio blurbs into this podcast as well. I'll quickly cut in and introduce them. But uh, yeah, let's cut straight to the main part of the show. A quick editor's note here. Um, the audio quality in this episode is lower than the quality I would like to have in my podcast. This is mostly because nearly all of the show was recorded on the road. Even the opening and conclusion sections were done in unusual environments due to it being the summer. Uh, this should be the exception to the rule for this podcast, but uh, it's what I have for now. Thank you. Okay, so... Midwest Conquest, Ferex, the Amber Strand. Three-day event ran over Memorial Day weekend in Kansas City. Well, Independence, Missouri. It's just on the edge of Kansas City. The Midwest Conquest is a con that had been going on now for quite a few years up in Kansas City. Uh, mostly focused around a 40k GT, but on the sides there is a bolt action event, a Horus Heresy event that has run on and off the last couple of years, as well as a Marvel Crisis Protocol event that was going on. So the Ferex event had 10 or so tables. Every table had a individualized mission on it and some absolutely stunning scenery. There's a whole stack of photos for this event. The best place for you to get visual feedback or visual idea of what was going on is by going to the Ferex Discord. It's going to be in the show notes. There's a link tree for it. Lucas has been on the show and talked about this event series a lot. If you go to their Discord, there is a channel just for the Amber Strand event, and I've loaded a pile of pictures up to it, and a few other people will be doing so soon, probably by the time this is out. Um, yeah, incredible tables. But if you played at a Ferex event, you know what they look like. They're an incredible quality. Have been for a while, ever since my buddy Dave was running it which I think is the first thing we need to address. So the Ferex games started in Adepticon. They were organized by a fantastic gentleman, David Komen. For those who have been listening to my podcast for a while may recognize that name. Uh, David came on my podcast several times um, to discuss painting back in the God Engine cast days and was... One of the main reasons I ran the events at the Iron Halo, my Titanicus events. But middle of last year, I said not in the middle of last year, 
So at the start of December last year, Dave passed away suddenly. Um, it took, it was, it was quite of a shock for the gaming community in both Kansas City and Dallas. He's living in Kansas City. Um, it's one of the reasons the Ferex events were focused at Midwest Conquest, but he moved out of Dallas a couple of years ago, and it made a big impact on the local community as well. And being between the two points, uh, his impact on the Oklahoma scene was pretty large. He attended a lot of cons and a lot of friends in Oklahoma. Yeah. David and I had spent a lot of time talking. Like I say, he'd been on my podcast several times, and we spent quite a bit of time planning the Iron Halo back in 2020. His death was a shock, as I said, for a lot of folk. And almost immediately after it all happened, there was a reaction from many in the community to be adamant that we ensured that some of the things that he had been passionate about survived. One of them was this Pyrex narrative that he was developing. He had huge plans for it. He had been working on specialized models and other stuff but um yeah anyway two absolutely fantastic human beings um eric and lucas lucas who's been on the show countless times uh eric is another fantastic guy from kansas city he decided they were going to stop putting on these events hence this event in kansas city and i'm going down the mother of all tangents um but anyway david had put together an incredible collection of scenery and this is still on display. Um, the guys running the events in Heritage Hall, they've got a storage unit. They're keeping all the scenery in. And they're determined to honor Dave's memory by continuing these events in the future. I actually haven't had a chance to really play a major Horus Heresy event up till last weekend. Obviously, back when Dave was running his stuff, I was firmly doing Titanicus. And... Um, so I was pretty determined to get up to this Midwest City event, and I'm so glad I did. We had a really good turnout, good spread of players. Didn't have to do any weird alignments on Legions. Everyone wanted to play their alignment they wanted to play, best I can tell. And uh, looking, we had some absolutely beautiful tables. So the basic setup for the weekend was fairly simple. Day one, we showed up, we played just some open gaming. I got to show up and play one single game of Zone Mortalis, which is good. I hadn't played Zone Mortalis before. I needed to know how I was going to be in Zone Mortalis for the Mega Battle, which came on day two. In day two, we played two frontline games, then a huge game of Zone Mortalis, and then the final day, we played another two games. For the games themselves, we literally paired up however we wanted to do. Uh, you challenged whoever you felt like playing, and uh, I did at least when you hadn't played before, and then you picked a table. All the tables had bespoke missions. Um, scenery was different on every table all thematically associated with the mission you'd rock up you'd play the mission you write your score sheet down you wrote a bit about the narrative you added the score sheet in and you moved on and it was really good fun i cannot understate how much fun it was as i was going through the experience of this what i did is after every game i recorded a short little bit so that's where we will start after the cut, you'll get my first report from the start of day one, and then it'll proceed chronologically through the event. When we get to the end, we're going to pause and we're going to have some statements from a variety of other people who were present. 
and then I will have a final wrap-up and conclusion. So, I hope this will make sense and isn't too long and drawn out, and uh, you get some enjoyment from it. If you check out before then, all I'm going to say is one thing. Make sure you're at the next event. Texas Open. Second weekend of August. Greetings from the road. I'm up here in Kansas City. Well, Independence, Missouri is on the edge of Kansas City. For the Pyrex event, the Amber Strand. Drove up yesterday. It was a pretty good drive. Quite long, five and a half hours from my small town in Oklahoma I live in. Once we got up here, I played a game of Zone Mortalis and the incredible Zone Mortalis scenery they have for these Pyrex events. Then we went out for a meal, and I went back to my hotel, and I'm now sitting in my car, waiting to go inside the convention center for day two, the first round of Frontline Games. The standard 3,000 points, we're going to play two of them today, one this morning, one this afternoon, and I'm going to finish today off with a giant ZM Mega Battle. But before we go any further, I really want to talk about last night's game, because it was my first time playing ZM. Uh, we were using the rules from the White Dwarf, not the recently released rules from the Siege of Cthonia book. It was really good. Uh, played a lovely chap called Garrett, I think his name was. I'll confirm later. But uh, he was bringing his really fun custodies list, which I know probably surprises some people listening to this, a fun custodies list, but they really are. Um, I actually don't mind playing custodies. I know they're really hard to play against, and Garrett's custodies are really special. You see, he's made them out of a third-party miniatures to represent a force of Thunder Warriors that have been kept in cryostasis and recently released to help in the fight in the pirate system. And they're kind of good fun. It's very cool to have something that's not custodies, but playing like custodies on the table uh, as a bit of variation. In fact, as me and him got talking throughout the event, he brought a really good point that actually custodies, although hideously powerful, aren't anywhere near as powerful as they are in the books. Three custodies in the books hold entire armies. It's not quite the case at the moment. And um, yeah, being Thunder Warriors felt powered appropriately. They were. It was a difficult fight. I'm not going to lie and I lost the game but I lost it because of my tactical mistakes not because of his force I allowed him to secure the objectives easy on table sides and he was able to put a solid death star or not even death star just a solid unit on a back objective and I wasn't able to quite hold on to my own objective he was able to pry me off it because of a de deployment mistake I'm not going to lie there I didn't put enough units to support each other to hold on to that objective, I thought one unit was going to be able to repel the slightly weaker custodies. And he was then able to hold up my main thrust towards his objective really, really well. Um, both my Terminator units got held up. And yeah, that was it, really. I mean, it wasn't a t tabling. I still had plenty on the table at the end of the game. I just outmaneuvered myself, and then he capitalized on it. And it was good fun which is what you want to see from a game of Zone Mortalis. Really looking forward to the ZM Mega Game tonight. It's going to be all of us playing 1,500 points. I think there's 10 of us at the event, so that should be five aside. So that should play really well. They scheduled quite a long play for it. We're going to start around 7 in the evening and play through to close to midnight. So we'll see how it goes. 
I'm going to come back in a few hours. I'm going to play my first game here in a bit. In all likelihood, looking at the initial logins, I'm going to be playing an Ultramarines player. There are a lot of Ultramarines players on the Loyalist side this wonderful event. And that'll be fun, because I'm running my word bearers, and it's always fun to see that grudge match play out again. Okay, see you shortly. Okay, round one is now complete. I had a fantastic game against Clayton with his Ultramarines. We were playing on a really interesting table. Um, all of the Ultramarines had to deploy in the center in this 18-inch bubble, and they would get to occupy this large uh, refinery type affair. Right in the center of this refinery was a robot-type entity, a Xenos tech that was out to destroy everything on the table. Um, I was coming in from the long edges. He got the first turn, um, so he was able to make some very swift motions towards me. We were only six inches apart initially. So some specialized ultramarine assault marines, they have a special name, but I can't remember what they were at the time, jumped straight in and took out my jet bikes. So his terminators made short work of the Xenos tech in the center of the table, allowing them to turn around eventually march towards my Praetor and his gang of despoilers. On the other end of the table, my tactical squad ended up facing down against his Praetor and a unit of Scissorings. Now, a really interesting thing about the Pyrex events is that there are markers all over the table that allow you to unlock NPCs or equipment. Um, thanks to my infiltrators and some scout moves, I was able to unlock two of the beacons right at the start of the game, unlocking a squad of Imperial Militia to join my army, as well as a scribe to bring back important data to the Word Bearer's High Command. As it turned out, uh, neither of these NPCs would make it off the table, but the militia sold their lives valiantly. I advanced them when his Cicerines moved towards my tactical squad to a position where they would intercept any charge that the Cicerines made into my tactical squad. As it was, they did make uh, the charge, but it ended up creating a mess of a combat that took the Cicerines and the Ultramarines Praetor three turns to clear, which was decisive as it held up some important units. On the other side of the table, the Ultramarines were unlucky to uncover a unit of spindle drones instead of an ally in their point of interest marker. These drones joined my army and set about being generally irritating. They didn't really do a huge amount in the game, but they uh, definitely were a unit they had to walk around. And allowed me to manage the motion of the Ultramarines army. The game took about four hours to play. It was a pretty brutal affair at the end of the game. I was able to keep scoring units on both objectives, um, giving me a pretty decisive victory. But I think that was a bit of a understatement. We were a few dice rolls away from being rolled in numerous places, and it could have really gone either way. But we're running off for lunch now. We have an hour before round two starts. After round two, we'll have a short break, and then we'll be in for the ZM Mega Battle. Um, we'll see if I can record a bit more after round two, but we will see where we are. Okay, that's it for now. Well, that's uh, the end of round two. In round two, I played Jack and his beautiful Blood Angels. We faced off in a city by death ray designs that are really tall buildings really good looking i've got some photos of them they'll be out and about accompanying this episode this 
game was about securing three objectives, one that was in my deployment zone, one in my opponent's, and one in the center of the table. Jack was playing a day of deliverance list, so his Blood Angels were going to show up on a turn he decided. Turn two, obviously. And the game played out fairly simply. Turn one, my infiltrators quickly scurried across the board, securing a pile of objectives. Um, Jack also brought some infiltrators as well. So by the end of turn one, all the points of interest had been recovered. A pile of NPCs were found. Um, a hostile Jackrow attacked some of Jack's recon marines. I found a sister of silence who promptly attacked me because she's a loyalist. I'm a traitor. I found a enforcer and his dog who joined my tactical marines. And a friendly tech priest and a pile of servitors were also found by my scouts on a landing pad. After that, turn one turned into like the battle of the NPCs, where like my recon squads fought the Sister of Silence. The tech marine went after some enemy good emplacements, um, quad laser destroyers. The Jackro fought with some recon marines, and then my jet bikes moved up, finished off the recon marines that found the Jockero. They killed the Jockero, but they were also killed in turn. The next round at round two, the Blood Angels Deep Strike arrive. I get lucky on interceptors and are able to blow out his recently arrived um, Leviathan. But I make a bit of a blunder where I think I forget the rules. And um, I thought for a while I was going to be able to do some reactions with my vehicles. Obviously, you can't. So he points that out. And I'm like, oh, gosh. So I'm a bit of a tactical blunder there. But it was fine in the end. It sort of made him drop closer to my Spartan, and because I was able to take out the Leviathan, all of my souped-up despoilers storm out of it, wade through 20 of his assault marines. I'm able to Scorpius a pile of his um, Artificer armor, Blood Angel Jump Pack guys, into little pieces, and really break the back of his army. That said, the game doesn't really end well. Um, because we were mucking around with NPCs for so long in that first turn, by the end of turn four, we have to call it because we're out of time, at which point I've been able to secure the objective in his deployment zone as my despoilers have chomped the way up the table, and uh, my opponent isn't able to fully clear my tactical marines off my objective, so I claim the win in the narrowest of margin, though after talking after the game, we both really agree that it should have probably been a draw. It was a good game, uh, very technical, which was good. A lot of time double-checking rules in the rulebook. Um, Heresy's still new, and there's still a lot of complexity to the game. This is the first game I've played of Heresy in a while, where, like, halfway through the game, I got asked, you know, by one of the organizers, you know, how's the game going? And I sort of, I do a sort of, like, not a thumbs down, but like a, I'm unsure, symbol with my hands, you know, handshake. I sort of do a handshake, like, eh, it could go either way. I, because... I was really annoyed I messed up the rules for Interceptor, and I was annoyed that it was a simple mistake, and then I felt like I was going to the rulebook a lot. Some of this is tiredness. I mean, we're at six hours of gaming now for the day, and it felt a little sluggish. Um, we started a conversation we had after the game, and I think something we have to talk about a bit more in the future, of, you know, 3,000-point games. They're a lot. When we went down to Tyler a couple of months ago and I played the two 2,000-point games, those games were punchy and quick, and I kind of miss that. I really love the setting and I love the games and I love the narrative and the books and everything about the heresy. And I really enjoy painting the models. And the... 
I still really enjoy the Horus Heresy, so I'm not saying like I'm annoyed at the Horus Heresy, but there was a moment there when these games just felt kind of overwhelming. And because we were trying to get through so much in, I'd say, a limited time, but it's not limited time, three hours is a pile of time, I feel like me and my opponent weren't, you know, hanging out as much as we could have been. After the game, we spent 30 minutes just chilling out and talking about everything, and it was great. And I think there was a moment there around middle of turn two, sort of near the end of his um, turn after everything deep strike came, where I was feeling really overwhelmed with the game. And that's not the greatest feeling. It's odd, because after all, the game ended, I won the game. By the middle of turn three, I was like, I really shouldn't have been feeling as bad as I was. That fear of seeing all those Blood Angels deep strike in was really fading, and I felt a lot better about the game. And But we still were hustling, and we weren't, you know as jovial as I would like, is an oddity. Great player, great game, weird experience. Okay, some random thoughts after the game too. Um... Okay, so it's the second main day of the Pirate Inclusion event, the Ember Strand up here in Missouri. I'm really enjoying the whole event so far. I didn't record a bit last night where we talked about the ZM game, as I was wiped out when we were done, and I just wanted to go and I get to grab some food and have a beer. The DM game itself was an absolute blast. Uh, we lost a few players from the main rounds before we started playing the ZM. It was in the evening, and quite a few of them had other things to do with family and friends who live in the area. A few of them are visiting the area, and got other friends to catch up with, which, you know, totally understand. But anyway, the smaller amount we had six players uh, so three players on either side of the zm board we fought off against each other and a whole pile of crazy npcs that have been awakening due to the battles going on during the day the table itself was a roughly eight by four zm built by death ray designs really loved Scattered around the board were points of interest markers like we've been playing in our normal games. If we walked up to one of them, we could pick them up and potentially find an NPC or a piece of war gear. Or more than likely in this game, um, a mechanical spider would drop in from the roof and attack us. And that's basically what happened. As the Loyalists advanced in the first turn, they uncovered several markers and spawned several of these hostile NPCs that attacked everything around them. And then the traitors didn't move as much because we were worried. And then... The next round, Loyalists push forward again and release more spiders on themselves. And by the top of turn three, most of the spiders had been deployed and they were all on the Loyalists' board half and they were ripping the Loyalist army to shreds. A few of the spiders got closer to the, the traders and we advanced as well, so we were caught up in the blasts. But by the end of the game, the majority of both armies had been destroyed and mostly by the NPCs. Which sounds really weird when I say it out loud, but we absolutely had an absolute blast. Fighting these machines weren't hard. They were basically Castaferum dreadnoughts with some lightning cannons. They were terrible in close combat. They didn't really shoot very well. They just put out a lot of shots and a lot of dice rolling and a lot of saves being made and a lot of things dying that shouldn't have been dying. And then explosions occurring, which wrecked the entire battlefield, causing cave-ins and all sorts of fun stuff. It was absolute carnage and an absolute blast. And I think I will leave the summary of the ZM there. I'm sure I will try and get other people to talk about it. I've got some plans on how I'm going to get folk to talk about the event. And they may harp on about it. I had a great experience with it. But I also didn't really get absolutely stuck into it. Uh, I 
as I mentioned before, we're only just getting into ZM, and I took a pretty slow-moving force, and I hesitated on turn two about pushing towards the objective and towards where all the NPCs were, thinking, like, you know, I'd much rather wait till the Blood Angels got thinned down a bit, because I just fought them, I knew what they were like, I didn't really want to go in for round two against his best close combat forces in a confined space. So I waited, and then, um, yeah, we entered the game. So I didn't get to do a huge amount, but I'm happy with that. I I had a blast doing everything else and helping with the NPCs, and I had a word-bearer NPC appear on the enemy lines, because one of the times they hit a point of interest marker, it wasn't a spider drone, but a Diablerist that I'd painted for Lucas for the event up in Adepticon in March. And so he popped on the table and we ran around a bit, and probably got killed by some custodies. But yeah, it was a great game. Well, i got to get inside. It's almost time for the next round, so I will speak to you all soon. We're going to take a break from the audio vlogs for a second to allow for some input from some of the attendees of the event. First up, we have Grant, followed by Josh, and then Jack. I uh, thank them so much for chiming in to say their two cents about the event, and then we will uh, go back to listening to my recordings for the second half of the event. I think my favorite thing about the the Ferex Amber Strand campaign was just how strong the narratives were that ended up coming out. Um, I, I mean, when it, when it comes to armies like these that have such a like a context in a in a in a setting that we all share so much passion for, just by nature. I mean, it, it's tough to approach you know, uh, an army for the Horus heresy without, without some degree of passion. Like you have to really care about the material to an extent, or how could you push through, you know, theming and painting this entire, this entire force and army. But they, I mean, we all, we all came with our own ideas of what our, uh, our different characters were and what our forces were, but it's that crucible of like shared play experience where you're bouncing ideas off other people. You're seeing these like emergent, plots uh just pop up in the middle of the game you're getting killed by lightning spiders for like two hours straight in mortalis i mean it's like it's apocalyptic hey this is josh i played the traitor ultramarines at the taking of ferrix amber strand event in kansas city this last weekend we had a phenomenal crowd of people show up including some folks who are not at adepticon and uh, we got to play against them, and it was a ton of fun. Uh, my favorite part of the event was not only getting to see the Ferex narrative move forward in some compelling and bloody ways, but also to see everyone's personal army narratives develop. Uh, I got into two battles with Blood Angels against Jack and Eric, and one against an Iron Hands Custodes army with Grant's Thunder Warrior Kit Bash, and that was pretty great. Uh, the Traitor Ultramarine lore is developing, and who knows, we may see some more diabolical units added to their roster in future events. Thanks to Lucas, Eric, Judd, and Porter for running the event. Thanks to Martin for, and the Fires of Betrayal podcast. Uh, ride the lightning, you guys. Thanks. My name is Jack. I played uh, Blood Angels at the Ferex event in Kansas City. Uh, this is actually my first Ferex event and second Real Heresy event, so I didn't really know what to expect, but I was uh, pleasantly surprised how well it was done. First off, a shout out to Lucas and the rest of the Ferex guys. It seems like a pretty hard system to manage, but they did a phenomenal job keeping uh, things running well. The board was fantastic and well-themed, and pretty much having different missions on each one added a, quite a bit of extra flavor. No shout out to the players. You guys were all super welcoming and very fun allies and opponents. Within a few hours, I was super comfortable, and it was super great.
So, I mean, it was an awesome event. I recommend to anyone else go to that. Uh, thanks. So that was game three, and I had a fantastic second game against Clayton. We decided for a rematch at the start of today, as we were missing a few people, and pairings required someone to play someone they played again. So me and Clayton took the opportunity to, once again, fight Ultramines against Wordbearers. And it was a great game. A very different game the last time. Instead of him starting in the centre of the board, we started in more standard deployment zones. I had to cut my way through a Promethean refinery to get to him which i did fairly quickly by the end of turn two i had my despoiler squad with all my heroes firmly center of the mess once again we had a great game where we were picking up points of interest to spawn npcs i spawned a witch hunter who must have been convinced that the real demons were on the side of the ultramarines and a cyber mastiff that helped my recon marines hunt down some ultramarines a little later in the game um, Clayton, on the other hand, was able to find a Vindicare assassin who ended up in a shootout with my sniper scouts and some recon marines with a, two sniper rifles in it down a long alley down the side of the Promethean refinery that was really thematic. It was one of those moments when nothing could really enter that zone of fire. Uh, the snipers ending up having to shoot at each other for mixed results. Eventually, the scouts were able to finally kill the Vindicare in a sort of return fire action. But that was after a pile of help from some artillery. Some predator tanks also were called in to try and clear out the Vindica. All very thematic and wonderful. And that's sort of what today's been filled with. And uh, I saw on the other tables very similar affairs, very thematic moments. In fact, that's probably my one complaint so far about the event, is that I haven't been able to get my games done quick enough that I can spend much time hanging around other tables. Um, definitely, with the traitor players never playing each other, there is definitely half the people at the event that i've not like got to know very well very weird not getting to know the people who play similar armies as you it's not what i was expecting but it's probably what i should have expected and with that i'm going to leave you be i'll talk again when we're all wrapped up well that brings me to the end of game four this was a really interesting game we played on the near legendary crashed spaceship table if you've looked at the pyrex photos on facebook before i'm sure some of you will have seen this photo there's a large spaceship that takes up virtually the entire table within the spaceship there are three mission objectives the aim is to try and secure the center one that's on a command control console and hold it against your opponent who's coming in to the other direction in this game i faced off against grant who i played in the first day in the first zone mortalis game it's sort of day zero and it was really good fun. This time, not to just his custodies, but his iron hands as well. And, um, yeah, it was a bit of an odd game. Um, by this point in the campaign, me and Grant had both collected quite a few NPCs. So I was very aware that he had a assassin ready to outflank into me. So I was deploying carefully to ensure that this outflanking Kalexus assassin couldn't do too much damage. He also had a Nevisor assassin with him that came round one of the flanks. But what sort of happened as the game plays out is that my infiltrators inside the spaceship activate the points of interest markers within the spaceship and spawn two hostile NPCs. The first being a man of iron that appears on my leftmost flank, and the second being a unit of Raven Guard Wraithians that proceed to move in front of my tactical squad, actually move blocking me from getting into the spaceship. 
this works out really interestingly because these two NPCs sort of hold up my advance into the spaceship with my main army, letting the Iron Hands fall into the spaceship. And at the bottom of turn one, I sort of turn around to Grant and say, I mean, like, I think you've got this. Like, we were both worried. We played it through, and I've been pretty successful through the entirety of the event. Um, and we hit that point, and I was like, I think I can't pull a solid victory out. I deployed my Death Star unit down near the Eversor Assassin so I could swing to take him out if I needed to. And the objective near where my Death Star was wasn't a progressive objective. So I'd had to get my Death Star back around to the progressive objective. And I realized I probably couldn't get them onto that objective by the until the end of turn three, giving him, uh, in essence, a huge lead. And um, so the bottom of turn two, we took forever to play the game. We were both really tired and there were a lot of NPCs and we were, as I said, really tired. So we sat down, we started playing out, you know, what could I do in the next two turns? What could we do there? And we rolled dice to roll out certain scenarios. And we basically determined that by turn, the end of turn three, although I could start threatening his key units, he was going to be able to bank enough points to ensure that no matter what, I, I could only score on turns four and five on the progressive objective. And he'd reduce my line down enough that I couldn't sit on those two objectives to score enough to catch up on the other two side objectives. If that makes sense. Probably doesn't. Either way, we played it out, and we, but we sort of talked out majority of the game after the second round, which was really pleasant to do, given the fact it was game four of a very long weekend, and it gave us a lot more time just to chat and interact. Grant's army was, as I said, incredible. It was really good to actually play against his full list, and it was filled with a couple of really subtly wonderful narrative events, like my... Praetor calling down an orbital strike on an Imperial Noble to be protected by two Thunder Warriors who gave, the, gave their final moments of existence to deal with this incoming orbital barrage. The plot Garrett was pushing was that all his Thunder Warriors were going to die at the end of the campaign anyway. The bio clocks have been ticking down due to the techno stuff that the Iron Hands had used to revive them. But they only had a limited lifespan and the Iron Hands were using them as shock troops to win the battles well i think that brings us to the end of the audio blogs that i recorded while i was out and about yeah that last one was a little bit weird i recorded it on my way back to oklahoma in fact i think i just crossed the border back into oklahoma and was sitting at a travel service center just trying to give myself a break from driving and I I ended it a little quickly and I got lost in the middle of ways. I've tried to edit into something a little bit more understandable, but it is what it is. So, the event. I've got a lot of thoughts. I'm going to start with the big stuff. Let's, let's talk about the results of the event. Well, on paper, the winner of the event was the Loyalists, with a huge asterisk. The Loyalists pushed a pretty good victory in the last two games of the front line the last they pushed a pretty good victory in the last two frontline games scoring a lot of campaign points the first two games the traitors took an early lead but it turned rather quickly i'm actually not surprised by that um campaign points were earned many ways by winning game gave you three points but 
for every NPC you had control of, you gained an extra point. And a fair few of the Loyalist players were a lot better about keeping their NPCs alive, unlike the Traitor players. I mean, I was really bad about throwing my NPCs into the meat grinder to save my word bearers. So, yeah, I probably could have done a lot better about that, but I didn't. But that's fine. Overall, um, the actual winner doesn't really matter. I said there was a big asterisk. The event organizer basically pointed out that the winners at the end of the event were the NPC bugs that had been infesting every one of the tables. You'll have heard the two references in the voice sections from the other people who were present at the event. And yeah, the Apocalypse game, as I talked about, went sideways rather quickly. The drones basically filling the entire board up and pushing the Oilers and Traitors alike out of the Warrens basically handed the area of the Amber Strand to whatever entity controls them. Which I'm sure we will find much more about narratively when we attend the Dallas Open in August, which will be the next incursion event. I'm probably going to be attending that event, providing it's all school works with me. This just after we get back from the summer breaks. There's always the chance that I'm going to be tied up doing something, but I rather hope not. I really want to go down there and allow Marshal Theodosius to once again take the battle and terrorize the Loyalists. So I suppose that takes us to the next point I can talk about, which is the narrative that I was able to tell over the course of the four games. I hadn't really touched about it in my little audio blurbs. It was just kind of odd uh, as it went. The story developed, especially in conversation, and it was never directly on my mind when I came in to talk about the games. So my personal story, the story of my force, it's fairly simple. My actual force represents a small detachment of word bearers that were dispatched to the pirate system on special orders. Very unclear what the special orders are. I'm sure I'll come later in other bits of lore I write, right about how they're off to the pirate system on some special operation. Well, after trying to secure one of the drones from the Ultramarines, and the Ultramarines destroying the drone and making their escape, my forces were ambushed by some Blood Angels while they tried to secure themselves another drone. But shortly after, they were able to locate an entry point into the Warrens beneath the Amber Strand. A breaching team was sent in, and it was very quickly determined those tunnels were not safe to pass through. So once again on the surface, the attempts to locate a drone for study proceeded. One had been located within a refinery, and the word bearers were moving on it with the aid of a dreadnought. The dreadnought of the detachment had been sent to get in close and to restrain the drone. As they were in the process of doing this, and the scouting teams had positioned themselves to help the entombed brother to make the capture of the drone, a detachment of ultramarines appeared to try and gain resources from the Promethean refinery. It being the fleeing ultramarines from previously, the word bearers stopped what they were doing and went to deal with this 
loyalist threat, which they dealt with quickly. The Ultramarines were quickly dispatched, and they were able to recover the drone, or the remains of the drone. The drone had to be destroyed in the process of fighting the Ultramarines. After going through files and other pieces of information, Theodosius decided that he needed to explore the wreck of the first ship to discover the Pyrex system. He realized that within the data cores of this crashed ship, there would be evidence to allow him to better learn what is going on in the sector. This didn't occur, sadly. As he approached the ship, a detachment of Iron Hands moved in to also do a very similar operation, and they were able to repel word bearers from their objectives. Although they were able to do immense damage to the Iron Hands, the Iron Hands were able to retrieve the data and make a ordered retreat. As these objectives were being scored by the word bearer, Marshal Theodosius's reputation in the area had slowly crept up. And by the attack on the Promethean refinery, Imperial agents had been dispatched to try and end his existence, starting off with just a single Vindicar assassin, but quickly followed up with an Evazer, a Calexus, and a unit of Ravenguard Mardathian. These assassins were trying to stop the growing, or the perceived threat that was Master Theodosius and his crusade. It is warned that more assassins are coming for him, which he laughs and says that many have tried, but none have succeeded. The last two assassins being easily dispatched by the Balkans of his tactical marines. Didn't you need to reach for more esoteric means to defend himself? Yeah. And that's about my narrative. I'm going to write it all up and it'll be out there on a PDF. I'm actually going to throw a link in the show notes to my army list, which include all my narrative links and the full narrative write-up. I have to say that one of the best things about these Pyrex events is that everyone's getting into writing their stories. I find uh, writing stories can be a little bit weird. I had a great conversation with Garrick about it during the event. You know, it's that line between fan fiction and fiction. And that, you know, fan fiction does carry connotations. But a lot of us have stories for our models as we're putting them together, as we're painting them. And it's really nice to be able to put them down on paper and share them with other people. Uh, Pyrex have given us a really, well, the whole weekend gave me a great opportunity to explore these sort of small narratives like uh, Praetor being hunted by an Ambot, to one Praetor looking to duel everyone else that he could come across. Great moments, and uh, I'm sure as the series continues over the coming years, these stories are going to get more complex, and they're going to sort of tell themselves, and that's really nice. Now, aside from that, let's talk about the actual running of the event. I posted a huge list of recommendations of improvement to the Pyrex Discord, Anyone who's on that Discord uh, should probably read it. Um, it explains it a lot better, what I was feeling about the mission design there, and I'm not going to repeat it here. Um, I really enjoyed the whole weekend, but just because I enjoyed it does not mean I don't see a avenues for improvement. So I encourage everyone to go and check out the Discord for the Pyrex event series. It's a really great community. I'm on there quite a bit talking away. Um, although it's focused on the Pyrex events, there is always conversations that you go beyond that. Um, yes, I know it's yet another Discord server to hang out on, but I think this is a pretty good one. A good narrative-focused Horus Heresy place is always fun, especially one with a very tight mandate, especially if you live in North America and think you can attend one of these events. A really good place to be part of the community. So let's go back to results. 
I think there are a few other things I want to touch on in results. Things that were celebrated during the closing ceremonies of the event. First of all, we had Best Painted for both the Loyalists and the Traitors, who got a lovely little plaque trophy. I won Best Painted Traitor, which felt kind of weird because I don't feel like at times I'm the greatest painter in the world, but it was nice to feel appreciated and the plaque's going to look really nice in my recording studio, I'm not going to lie. In addition to that, a prize was given out for Best Sportsman, which was really well received. The two people who won Best Sportsman definitely really pushed their... They really pushed... They really made the event great for everyone, which was great. Um, there are these wonderful trophies that call themselves the Preferred Enemy Trophies, and on the side they have plaques of all the previous winners, and um, both the names of those individuals being added to it. I, I've forgotten their names, which is probably terrible for this sort of thing, but anyway. After that, we had my favourite award. So an award was given for the players who were who constructed a a narrative moment that impressed the organisers the most. So at the end of every game, as well as writing down your score, the number of NPCs you controlled, there is a large box on the paperwork for reporting your game that invites you to describe the best narrative moments of the game. Now, for quite a few people, it's a throwaway comment, but there were a good number of people who wrote some really fun stories. The initial story talked of the battle between the Iron Hands and the Iron Warriors, and it was just a really enjoyable experience to listen to. So after the winner had been selected by the event organizer, the two players involved in that story and were invited to come up in front of the entire group and talk about it. And they gave a really fun retelling of the events. So day one was the Iron Hands and Iron Warriors. I can't remember the story completely, so I'm not going to butcher it on the retelling. Maybe I can convince one of them to leave a voice message for a future show. It was a great moment. That's the main thing that jumps in my brain. I was kind of blown away because the next award out was my own in my game in the Prometheum Refinery against Clayton, the Ultramarines player. We had a wonderful snipe out that I think I referenced in the audio comment after the game where the Vindicar assassin that he'd found sat on one gantry, shooting down the side of the table towards my scouts and a recon squad with a couple of sniper rifles. The entire area of no man's land between these scouts was basically uninhabitable. Uh, both of us tried pushing units into the area, but both times units were just shot up by all the sniper fire. And because there was no one there, the snipers then started shooting each other. It was a very thematic moment, a moment that felt like it could have been pulled from any numerous war movies. Yeah, it's just evocative, and uh, everyone seemed to enjoy it. Obviously, it was the start of the never-ending attack of assassins that was my next couple of games, or the next game, when they all sort of seemed to start coming for my warlord. Fairly appropriately, he'd been undefeated and had taken out numerous, numerous uh, command squads with extraordinary war powers. So... It is what it is. Okay. Well, I think that then brings me to a sort of wrap-up. If you have the possibility of going to one of these events, I cannot recommend enough going to this event, these events. 
they put on an absolutely fantastic show. Having the amount of tables that were present, each with their own specialized missions and these deep narrative thoughts just created a three-day gaming experience that was so far removed from everyone else who was in the room playing Warhammer 40k. And yeah, I'm really glad that next weekend I'm going to be able to drive down to Dallas and play a single day Pyrrhic event. And I'm really eager to play in the one in August. So yeah, if you get the chance, go and play. I think that's where I will leave it. Um, we talked quite a bit all over the place. We talked a bit all over the place, and you've heard my blogs, and probably a bit sick of my voice now. So with that, I'll leave you be, and I will catch you on a future podcast, which should be talking about the Siege of Cthonia book. Please subscribe to the podcast on your podcatcher of choice, and we will see you in two weeks. If you have any questions for the show, please email us at firesofbetrayal at gmail.com or reach out through our social media account or at reserve to their respective owners. Until next time, we wish you all good fortune.